0: Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point.
1: Hello and welcome to Headline Buster brought to you by The Point with me, Liu Xin. In this series, I dissect stories that are making headlines around the world and talk to my guests to compensate for the missing pieces of the puzzle. Our topic today, who blew up the North Stream gas pipelines? Last September, near the Danish island of Bornholm in the Baltic Sea, huge volumes of natural gas started to emerge suddenly from the seabed, sending shockwaves and headlines around the world. Three out of the four underwater pipelines sending Russian natural gas to Germany ruptured in what investigators have concluded deliberate acts of sabotage. But who did it? the Biden administration, according to Pulitzer Prize-winning American journalist Seymour Hersh. In an expose published online on the 8th of February, Hersh cited a source with direct knowledge to the operational planning to claim that it was a covert operation carried out on demand of the White House. In an interview last week, Hersh told CGTN that two things prompted him to investigate whether the U.S. was the culprit.
2: They were always afraid of Russia using the natural gas as a weapon, okay. as a political weapon. That as long as Germany relied on national gas, that was a problem. It's not something that just happened in the last, you know, since the war with Ukraine. There's, a, I'm actually gonna write about it some more. It's, a, it's, there's a long history of it. So that's one element, mm-hmm. and to know that. And the other thing, of course, is, <laughs> Uh, Mr. The president himself had said publicly in February, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine again. Then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it.
1: How will you do that exactly? Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control,
2: we will. Uh, I promise you we'll be able to do it.
1: What exactly did he mean? We will, I promise you, we will be able to do it. Hirsch found out from an insider how the operation was conceived and carried out over the span of nine months. The White House and the CIA have flatly rejected his report, calling it completely false. Norway has called the report nonsense as it was alleged to have helped carry out the operation as a great ally. Denmark warned against conspiracy theories while Germany has been mum about the peace. All three countries have carried out their investigation but have yet to share any information with the public nor with their own lawmakers citing top national security reasons. If Hersh's revelations are proven true, this would amount to a terrorist attack against a critical international infrastructure of an ally, an act of war, in his words. And it would not have been the first time the U.S. carried out such an attack. In 1984, for instance, the Washington Post reported on how the CIA directly oversaw an attack on an oil facility in Nicaragua to support anti-government rebels. The Nord Stream Pipeline sabotage is a bombshell story, one would say. But how has it been covered by the respectable media in the world? Let's take a look at the New York Times as an example. Until today, a month later, the paper has made zero mention of the story by Hirsch, one of its former star reporters. Hirsch calls the paper his newspaper, but obviously the sentiment is not mutual. His story was mentioned prominently in a UN Security Council debate held on the 21st of February. Based on his disclosures, diplomats clashed heavily over whether the explosions merit an independent international investigation. The New York Times carried a short piece on that debate titled UN Official Calls for Restraint on the Investigation on Nord Stream without giving a slight hint on Hirsch's report. Surprisingly, the Washington Post it after two weeks of silence. It even carried a link to Hersh's blog post, Late as it was is better than none. But why the silence with NYT? Was the paper not interested in solving the mystery? Apparently not. As it carried a lengthy report last december titled in Nord stream mystery baltic seabed provides a nearly ideal crime scene the reporters elaborated on the possible suspects and motivations excluding the us totally by the way after some careful digging we did find hirsch's name in one opinion piece on nyt ufos and other unsolved mysteries of our time Ha. Is that where Hersh's report belongs? The explosions may be an unsolved mystery for now, but with evidence suggesting it was sabotage, should we not try to look into it? The Reuters, to its credit, reported on Hersh's expose timely. Two days after it came out, the news agency ran this piece, Fact box: Seymour Hersh, who is the journalist who claims the U.S. blew up the Nord Stream pipelines? But while introducing the same piece on Twitter, the headline changes to... Fact box. Prize-winning reporter Seymour Hersh no stranger to controversy. Huh, what does that imply? Why the extra touch? On February the 8th, the Daily Mail titled its report, The White House is forced to deny sending frogmen to destroy Russia's stranglehold on European gas, following bombshell report from Pulitzer journalist Seymour Hersh. A balanced title, I should say. The Times reported with the headline, U.S. bombed Nord Stream gas lines, claims investigative journalist Seymour Hersh. The title is perfectly neutral, but the story did cast doubts on the recent stories Hersh was doing in recent years. But that's about it. For a bombshell story, you can count the number of mainstream media coverage on one hand. As for television, even less. The last time CNN mentioned Hirsch was in 2015. If you can find a more recent link, please share with me. The last time the BBC associated itself with Hirsch was in 2018, when he was a guest on the program Hard Talk. Obviously, he was considered a heavyweight back then. What happened to the world's most trusted media? Not even a piece about denials? When responding to the silence and criticism that his piece lacked credibility, Hirsch told the website Democracy Now, he has been doing this for so long he was not bothered by the attacks or criticism. What does the silence say to him? That's what we are, Hirsch said. Adding, he was lucky that for decades, insiders who are faithful to but critical of what they do came to him and they still do. That's the kind of story that reporters dream about, quote unquote. Okay, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, I will invite three guests for further discussions on their opinions behind the apparent collective silence. Stay tuned. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> <laughs> we then learn to speak.
0: Bonjour. Comment allez-vous?
1: Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. An
3: additional Railway Company so. Deutsche director of The 26th United Nations Climate.
1: Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world.
0: Making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is the point.
1: Welcome back to Headline Buster brought to you by The Point with me, Liu Xin, coming to you from Beijing. And I'm pleased to welcome our guests. They are in Sweden, Yen Olberg, who is Research Director of uh, Transnational Foundation for Peace and Future Research. Yen, very good to have you in this very inconvenient hour. And uh, from the United States, we have uh, Max Blumenthal, Editor-in-Chief of The Grey Zone, and Brandon Blackburn-Dwyer, President of Grasshopper Strategies. Gentlemen, thank you to you as well, and uh, welcome to the show. So you have heard my uh, monologue in the in the first half of the program. I would like to go to Max first. Uh, what is your reaction? How do you look at the credibility of Hirsch's report?
3: Well, the line from those seeking to dismiss Seymour Hirsch's reporting, based on a very well placed source, is that his source is anonymous and it's just one source. So. Let's look at the New York Times report and wonder why there isn't the same scrutiny applied to a report obviously planted by the White House to cover its own tracks. This is a line from that report. U.S. officials declined to disclose the nature of the the intelligence, how it was obtained or any details of the strength of the evidence it contained. All anonymous officials obviously connected to the lead suspect in the Nord Stream bombing. And none of the intelligence is even verified as strong. And the New York Times waited until the 25th 25th paragraph of that article to mention Seymour Hersh's bombshell for the first time. And let's also consider the long record of statements by Joe Biden vowing to destroy the Nord Stream pipeline, by Senator Ron Johnson calling for the Nord Stream pipeline to be destroyed, by Victoria Newland after its destruction, saying that she was glad to see it at the bottom of the sea. Going back to 2014, Condoleezza Rice calling for it to be stopped because Russia and Germany could not be allowed to have an economic alliance that would hurt U.S. energy security, in her words, too much. All the pieces fit together along with who has the capacity to do it. The lead suspect remains the United States. And even if we put Seymour Hersh aside, why did the investigation that Europe was supposed to carry out, that the EU was supposed to carry out disappear, and why are they refusing to inform German MPs, including from the governing SPD, about the nature of the German investigation? Very suspicious.
1: Yen, your take of observing everything from Europe, but uh, also from a country which is directly impacted by the explosions?
0: Well, I think what has already been said, I agree with that. And I think it's also very clear that none of us have been 80 meters down on the sea bottom of the sea to see it ourselves and would probably not be able to understand what has happened. But there are very few countries that can do this. And secondly, I think what is really shocking, but nothing new in a way, is what I call omission. Most people talk about fake news. I think it's very important to understand the greatest deception we have in the Western media at the moment is omission. It's the uh, uh, stories we don't hear. You can take the Ukraine thing, we have cut off, we have canceled Russian media, we're not supposed to hear how the Russians are thinking about this. It's uh, the angles we don't get, it's the experts that are not uh, interviewed or used. It's the the selection of what we're supposed to know and not to know that is concerning to me. And sorry for saying this, my experience of almost 50 years is that what you see is like a conductor's hand going up and then there's the same narrative about a a story and then the hand goes down and there's silence. There is somebody who's orchestrating this type of media policies, which are totally different from 30 or 40 years ago where there were a good journalistic uh, quality or culture that it was important to listen to other stories, too. Was
1: this story widely covered in the Swedish media, for instance, mainstream media, so that people in Sweden can hear at least what uh, Mr. Seymour Hersh claims?
0: Very little. New York Times, but very little also. We're at the moment, you know, in Sweden has applied for membership of NATO, and this is not the time when the media would write anything about, uh, you know, the problems with NATO and negative aspects of NATO or negative aspects of the US. There's a very, very clear uniformity and homogenization happening also here.
1: All right.
0: And the same goes for Denmark because, you know, the Bornholm Island outside which this was done is Danish. And right. the first thing they def- minister at the time said was, well, it will be very difficult to find out what is going on and da 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 da, da, da meaning we're not going to tell you anything very quickly, and this, the story has been dropped.
1: This is uh, very pe- peculiar, because that's why we're doing such a discussion about it uh, a, a month after the story came <laughs> out, because it is such a potentially important story, and yet there is a very sharp difference in attitude of media. Um, Brendan, let me go to you. Um, you were talking about, you know, the the problem with having anonymous source, sometimes with having one, and this is the problem that many people had with Seymour Hersh's piece. But the thing is, to such a highly confidential operation, because if it came out, the negative consequences would be huge, for such a confidential operation, the number of people who knew it in the beginning would be very, very limited, and secondly, nobody would dare to come out and verify or, you know, with document proofs and stuff like that. So. In a way, you can only rely on such anonymous source, and in order to protect them, you are not going to disclose never ever who they really are. So this makes it very difficult for people to verify and for Mr. Seymour Hirsch to prove who his source is and how credible his source is. But with his reputation and experience and the trust people, have, you know, that's the best he can, he can give. So how else can we find out such a story if people don't have these anonymous sources? But look, anonymous sources are a part of reporting.
2: They just are. Uh, I, I'm not going to dismiss every story at a hand because it has an anonymous source. I'm also not going to buy every story that I read because it has an anonymous source. The concern with the Hearst piece, and you know, to my colleague Max, I'm also going to say the same thing. I agree that, that in the piece of the New York Times, it was also relying on anonymous sources that seemed to have an agenda going for it. And I think that's equally as concerning, and that's why there's a lot of other media that are looking at the New York Times article and saying, we're not sure that's ready. The UN has said, they've asked for reports. Countries are like, we're still investigating. We're not ready to come out with anything close to, a, to an answer to this at this point. The
3: US but has condemned look at the Hirsch, UN investigation.
2: Right, the okay, US when is, you look at Hirsch, is seeking to con- block
3: con- a UN investigation.
2: I, I, we'll see if they're seeking to block it. They, they,
3: there has been well, discussion this about is that. Confirmed. There's the
2: countries that are saying that they are still in the process of investigating That they say it cannot be rushed. But when you talk about Hirsch, the question becomes, this is a very explosive type of an interview. This is a uh, type of a, a story. It's a narrative that builds from every piece of this, all the way from conjecture, like from the from the apple in the eye, through con- through execution. Which, if you look at the history of anonymous sources, it'd be very, very rare to have one anonymous source that actually had the type of view into every single step of this operation that's why he had a
1: source which that's what he said he said he he had a source who had direct knowledge to the operational planning not just someone you know who were for instance in the divers navy divers training school or or another someone who had direct knowledge to the operational planning so it was not just anybody it was someone who (laughs) knew at the heart of it
2: it would still be rare to have one source to have that kind of access up and down this process because of a compartmentalized process that said we're dealing with a journalist with a long history of some great reporting and some not like great supporting who at this point can't get his long-standing background a, a mainstream journalist organization to take his story on and he then went out and basically published on his own blog that's a concern when you're looking at what is true and what is not in a world of anonymous sourcing, that's a concern. You have to start with that there are pillars of credibility at various points.
1: But, but Brandon, basically you're saying he should important. have tried He should have tried to publish this story with New York Times and Washington Post and these um, credible pillars first before publishing it online. Is that what you're saying? Okay, I, Max. I
2: believe, I believe yeah. he should have. I believe okay. that when we're talking Max? about anonymous sources, it helps to have pillars of credibility involved. All
3: right, Max. Well, Seymour Hersh would not have been allowed to have published with those papers, which have taken a Nakedly partisan view in support of the Ukraine proxy war. In it, it, Seymour Hersh was run out of the New Yorker and London Review of Books precisely because he was re- critically reporting on various deceptions. <laughs> out of the Syrian dirty, out of the Syrian proxy war. It's impermissible in U.S. media to question a war in which every reporter has lined up as stenographers for the Mm. State Mm. Department, the Defense Mm. Department and the CIA as the New York Times did today with its report blaming a quote unquote pro-Ukrainian group. And if there's any pro-Ukrainian group that was capable of this, that said they wanted to do it, that had the wherewithal to do it, it was Victoria Nuland, Joseph Biden, Tony Blinken, Jake Sullivan and Lloyd Austin. And William Burns, of course, at the CIA, who Seymour Hirsch reported did it without any congressional approval.
1: Well, uh, Yen, uh, Yen, let me go again to you. Um, you talked about a kind of uh, well-orchestrated effort by people in the media, in the mainstream media, not to um, let out all the voices, to omit part of the story. But do you really think there is such a coordinated uh, campaign or effort to do that? I mean, if you ask these journalists, they would say we don't talk to each other about what we do, or most of them would deny that. And it is unimaginable for the U.S. government to go around and tell these uh, news agent reporters not to cover the the Seymour Hersh st- story, because that will make it obvious, too obvious to a lot of people. So uh, do you think it is, uh, a co- really think it's a coordinate campaign to omit this story? Or do you think there are <laughs> other elements that may be at play that shape people's decision on what to publish, what not?
0: this type of, of of uniformity in my view did not exist 20, 30, or forty years ago I mean in Sweden for instance the Swedish press was very critical to the US war in Vietnam today there's no critical voices about whatever the US does or there's there's a silence so yes I think there are many factors I'm not a conspiracy theorist but I'm asking myself why is this university so 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 significant and so clear, and, and all of you have, have shown that in this case, it's extremely much so. And I think we should also at some point take up the question of what does this mean for Atlantic relations? Yeah, I mean, people okay. in Europe are not stupid. They are seeing what is going on. This is an economic warfare on allies and friends, uh, and that will have consequences. I think the whole Western policy in Ukraine and all that is 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 we are seeing the cracks already all over Europe.
1: Hmm. Let's take a look at a comment that we have uh, received from um, the online platforms on YouTube by someone uh, under the name of Luna Langton that the MSM rejected it and he had no choice but to post it on Substack. So yeah, a viewer um, agreeing with the view of uh, Max there. <laughs> Brandon, you are the unfortunate uh, minority here. <laughs> I, I have to give you more say, more chance to talk but I do appreciate uh, you holding on to your position. I mean, it is a very difficult, very big story, but do you think there is also an element of potential embarrassment on the part of uh, mainstream U.S. media? The fact, you know, if this would be a U.S. act action, then there there would be huge backlashes for the United States. Do you think that may have contributed to the prudence, at least extreme prudence for the mainstream media to pick on this story?
2: Well, let me say that I believe that the Hirsch allegations are severe enough that any mainstream media would want to triple check every detail of it before they ran with it. And I believe, I'm not in these rooms, but I believe that they looked at that report and they said, look, there's just not enough that we know. Hirsch is not gonna tell us who the source is. We don't have enough to back it up. We're not gonna run with it. And so that, you know, we also don't know Hersh would have, I believe, told us if he had been turned down by the New York Times. He's never said that. I think that he wanted on his Substack and and he wanted the story out there in the way that he can do it these days. We have an incredibly fractured media environment where we have this monolithic mainstream media that holds substantially less percentage of the public sway than it ever has in human history. So we have people like Hirsch using Substack, we have podcasts, we have independent media organizations from every ilk in every area of the world. So basically you're saying
1: these pillars are to be trusted less. Well, I think that they're less
2: influential. And in an explosive story like this, they are not gonna go with an outside journalist's anonymous sourcing without well, something that they believe in. And so well, that's why they're not going to cover it. They're not yeah. going to put ink okay. down and get charged with saying something is wrong. I'm not saying it is wrong, but that's what they're not I, gonna I get do. your they, point. Unless they know
0: it, they're not going to back it up.
1: I, I get your point, uh, Brendan. How- isn't it a funny thing that
0: when Blinken says, for instance, that China is going to send lethal weapons to Russia, there's nothing to back it up. But they, they broadcast it everywhere, and it destroys China's... Uh, uh, 12-point uh, document for for peacemaking in, in in Ukraine. I mean, I think but that Lincoln's this sources is a strange one in this case, because they take what they want to take.
3: Well, he he he's not a reporter. He's just the person who commands the reporters. The reporters are his Well, the reporters
0: parties. decide to, to do this without the slightest evidence that that is the case. Look at his formulation about he thinks that he has something.
2: He said it in public. That's news. The anonymous source didn't say it in public and didn't say who they were.
0: That's dangerous.
1: I think it is quite obvious that there is a narrative uh, war, if I may use this word, unfortunately. the, um, <laughs> I mean, what is going on is pretty severe, except that you don't see it, unless you would really dig into it and pile up the, you know, count with your fingers <laughs> you don't see how severe the situation is. But the, the thing is, for the ordinary viewer out there, what? Can they do? What should they do? Um, Yen, I go to you first.
0: Well, I have always recommended people stop reading these media. Basically, your local newspaper, national newspaper, use the internet. I mean, everything is 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 available. If you wanna, if you wanna know uh, a country, go to its news bureau or go to somebody in the country, read their newspapers, see their programs, do this and that. I mean, we have an opportunity now to know, but that. that the negative side of that recommendation, of course, is that it takes more time. Yeah. And as we they call them ordinary citizens, sorry for the term, uh, it, it, they don't have the time for doing that. So they fall down in the sofa in front of the prime time news, and that's the world view they get. And that world view is totally different from the real world existence and and complexity i mean i have not in my years seen this simplification this banalization of something hugely complex as has gone on the last year or the last uh, 8 right. 9 years concerning ukraine i have never seen so much lying and so much one sidedness and so little intellectual input in what is reported how it's debated. Right. And we're ending up with a Europe in which everybody hates the Russian, even the Russian people, Russian culture, Russian pianist. It's a very sad moment for Europe.
1: Okay. Uh, Brendan, time is very limited. Brendan, uh, briefly, your turn, and then Max, briefly, please, both.
2: Read widely. Educate yourself and be very careful of bringing your own bias to believing something that you like the way it sounds without understanding that you need to be reading the contrary opinion.
3: Okay, Max? Well, at thegrayzone.com, we're always trying to fill the void that's being Mm -hmm. left by mainstream media and its coverage of Ukraine. So thegrayzone.com, check out what we're doing, check our sources and check mainstream media sources and uh, go and challenge your elected official, if you were an American, about these mm. issues and challenge reporters and be the reporter, be, a, be the grassroots journalist. That's what I tell young people who come to my talks.
1: Okay. Well, time is very limited. Uh, I have to leave it there. Many thanks to my guests, Max Blumenthal, Brandon Blackburn-Dwyer, and Jan Alberg. I must say it's a challenge that faced by all of us as journalists, or as ordinary citizens. We all have to do a better job, I'm afraid. And it's not going to be easier. It's going to be more difficult. But thanks to people like all of you who have been uh, contributing to this discussion uh, hopefully we will know the situation better and uh, be more informed be better informed so that we can do a better job to our readers with that we come to the end of this edition of hell and buster brought to you by the point with me Liu xin from beijing as always you can follow me on facebook and twitter using the handle Liu xin in beijing you've got the point